On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I talk about the Formula One Japanese Grand Prix. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rev Hang. I'm Nathan, and alongside me virtually is my good friend and co-host, as always, Ben Bagley. How you doing, Ben? Pretty good. I had a busy day today. I juiced, I don't know how many pounds it was, but it came out to like two and a half gallons of grape juice uh, from grapes in my backyard, and that was maybe 10% of the grapes on the bush. So I I was doing that pretty much immediately after church, and then... uh, well, I guess that was about it, but I got my coffee and I'm ready to talk about the race. Solid stuff. Sounds like you had a more productive day than I did. <laughs> I uh, I sorted through my Magic the Gathering cards and then I wrote the script for this podcast and here we are. Well, hey, you wrote <laughs> one more script than I did. Well, that's fair. Um, all right. This is not a magic podcast or a grape juice podcast, although a grape juice podcast, I'm curious how much content you could squeeze out of that, pun intended. It would would have to be a homesteading podcast for sure, something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, this is a racing podcast, and we are here to talk about the one race that uh, we have this week, and um, every episode from now on will just be Formula One races as the IndyCar season is finished, Um, and that race this week is the Formula One Japanese Grand Prix. Uh, it was a pretty good race, uh, but before we get into it, let's jump right in with some paddock news. Uh, the only thing we've got on the docket today is Dana Ricardo and Yuki Tsunoda signed a one-year deal with AlphaTauri for next season. Yeah, it absolutely ruined my prediction from a couple episodes ago of the Ricciardo, uh lawson team-up, so that's disappointing. Yep, yeah, uh, unfortunate. I, I did not see this coming, really. This was, I think what I thought was the least likely scenario, but uh, it is what happened, and now I am very curious to see where Alex Pillow ends up in IndyCar next year. (laughs) Um, Unless he signs for Williams, there's still a chance. I'm holding out hope. Uh, But I think Lawson will probably end up at Williams, but we'll we'll see. That second Williams seat is cursed. We are going to get into that a little bit after we talk about the race, but... Uh, speaking of the race, let's dive right into it, starting with qualifying and your top 10 for context. Uh, on pole position, back on form, was Max Verstappen. Second was Oscar Piastri, and third was Lando Norris. Fourth and fifth were Leclerc and Perez. Six through 10 was Sainz, Hamilton, Russell, Tsunoda, and Alonso. Uh, Going into the race, Norris challenged Verstappen into turn one, but unfortunately for all of us McLaren fans, he did not get by. Albon and Bottas had a big contact at the start, um, ended up ruining both of their races, um, some more than others, but they both ended up DNFing, so there's that. Uh, Perez had contact with Russell at the start. It was a lot lighter than the Albon Bottas contact, but it did destroy Perez's first front wing of the of the race. Um, the safety car came out for debris after the start because there was quite a bit in turn one. Sergeant hit Bottas off on lap five after the safety car restart, um, and that was what finally sunk the dagger into Bottas's race. He ended up retiring two laps later. Um, Russell and Hamilton battled a lot at the beginning of the race, going back and forth. Perez hit Magnussen on lap 12, breaking Perez's front wing for a second time, and he was eventually forced to retire the car. Uh, More on that later. 
<laughs> uh, Hamilton shoved Russell off the track on lap 16, making small contact. The Mercedes were very fun to watch, fighting each other all race long. Um, Norris and Piastri swapped positions on lap 27 uh, because Norris was faster behind. Norris then passed Russell on lap 37, and Piastri passed Russell on lap 42 for P3. Leclerc then passed Russell on lap 45 for P4. Signs cut up to the back of the Mercedes cars with four laps to go. Uh, the Mercs swapped places to help them defend. Uh, it seemed like a mistake at the time, but in hindsight, I think that was the right call. Uh, Sainz passed Russell on lap 50 and chased Hamilton for the rest of the race, but Hamilton was able to hold him off. Going through the results real quick, and then we'll talk about the race. Uh, first place was Max Verstappen, second was Lando Norris, third was Oscar Piastri, fourth and fifth were Leclerc and Hamilton, sixth through ten was Sainz, Russell, Alonso, Ocon, and Gasly. 11 through 15 was Lawson, Sonoda, Joe, Hulkenberg, and Magnussen. And then we had five DNFs, and they were Albon, Sargent, Stroll, Perez, and Bottas. Yeah, this is a, a very DNF-heavy race. Yeah, Red Bull had a double DNF, and Verstappen still won. <laughs> See what you did there? <laughs> yes. Um, so let's talk about that real quick, because I forgot to put it in the race notes. Um, Sergio Perez retired from the race twice, and uh, in case you didn't watch the race and don't quite understand how that happened, I don't uh, think anybody got, really did. Yeah, um, he got a penalty for smacking Magnuson, um, and he retired before the penalty was given out. So the the Red Bull mechanics repaired Perez's car sent him out for one lap, had him pit so they could serve his five-second penalty, uh, then sent him around one more time and had him box to retire the car again. Uh, and this was all like 10 laps after he retired the first time. <laughs> yeah, I think he was 19 or 20 laps down when he came back out of the garage that second time. Yeah, it was... Yeah. <laughs> what What was the point of that? Did Has there been any like release or... So, the only thing I can think of is since the penalty was given after Perez retired the car, they were doing that to serve the penalty so that they were not given a grid penalty in Qatar. Um, so, okay. basically basically serving the penalty in Japan so they didn't have to serve it in Qatar. I don't know if the FIA would have done that anyway, uh, but I guess they were just covering their bases. <laughs> to avoid a grid penalty in the next race. Um, but it was very odd to see a car retire, have them fix it, and then get the car sent back out again for two laps. It was very IndyCar-esque, which you don't see in, in Formula One. <laughs> there were some incredible shenanigans. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, Perez has not had a good co last couple of races. Um, no. He's been... He's been playing bumper cars with a lot of people. Uh, it's 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 kind of hard to watch because you almost feel like his his race his racecraft is kind of deteriorating because he's so desperate to get back on Verstappen's level. Um, he's he's taking too many risks and ruining other people's races for it. And uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of rough. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's hard to watch. It, he feels like a very different driver from the one who was able to... Did he win that race in... Uh, was that Bahrain that he won for a racing point? Yes. Yeah, it was... Yeah, this is the Secure Grand Prix. It was the short track in yeah, 2020. But, yeah, the but, driver but who yeah. felt like... He, at that point, it felt like... Well, after that, man, you could, he could do anything. Right, because uh, he won from 18th on the grid. Yeah, and that was like incredible, but it doesn't really feel like the same driver anymore. No, I almost wonder if the uh, just the whole Max Verstappen partnership has kind of finally it took him longer than it has other drivers, but I think it's finally getting into his head and starting to mess him up a little bit. The Red Bull F1 car, easy on tires, hard on partners. Yeah, <laughs> Verstappen is definitely a teammate killer and. You know, honestly, I don't think, I mean, people talk about, well, who can be better than Perez? Who, I mean, Perez is looking bad. He's going to replace him. But it's like, Verstappen has destroyed so many careers. <laughs> I don't think it really matters who they put next to him. This is going to be the performance they're going to get out of the car. Yeah. I mean, look at how long it took for people to realize Albon really was kind of the real deal in terms of driving. I mean, it took him how long of not racing and then two seasons that this is the second season at Williams right yeah yeah two seasons at Williams and then people are like oh man Albon like kind of goes hard yes that 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 was a a long recovery time yeah and Gasly too had it took him a while to get back up to his full potential I'd say um and then yeah, it's. I don't know if it really matters who they put next to Max. I think Max is gonna just destroy any teammate they put next to him, unless you get someone absolutely elite like Leclerc, Norris, Hamilton. But that's never gonna happen. Um, it's I just anybody who's not like you know top level driver is just not gonna even hold a candle to what Max can do. Um, so. Yeah, it's kind of kind of rough that that second Red Bull seat seems to have that uh, that curse on it, but that's that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, it's not the only second seat that seems to have a curse on it. Yeah, let's talk about the Williams seat now. Um, <sighs> yeah, Logan Sargent is quickly becoming the new goatee fee, and I I don't want it to be this way. I want him to do well so badly. Me too. We finally have an American driver on the grid after almost 10 years of not having one and as uh, a, a fellow blonde-haired young american man i he's my self-insert character i need him to do well yeah it's <laughs> it's it's hard because i feel like he's he's in the same spot mentally almost as perez where he just feels like he's he's fighting for his seat and it's just causing more problems than than good um so I don't know if they sign Sargent again for next year sooner rather than later, then maybe he'll relax a little bit and be able to <laughs> get some good results. But uh, at the same time, uh, to be completely honest, as much as I don't want to say it, I think there are better options than Sargent right now. Yeah. Yeah. Lawson has been putting up a very hard to ignore performance for a lot of teams, I think. Yeah. For sure. If Lawson is not on the grid next year, then I think he will be in 25 for sure. Um, 
Yeah, I just don't know if you're Williams and you see Lawson putting up those performances and now he's just been denied by Red Bull again for some reason. Um, I don't see how you don't pull an Alex Albon again and snag that, that Red Bull talent uh, before someone else does. Yeah, yeah, and I know... I want to say it was the team principal for Williams, uh, Bowles. It was a while back ago. I can't remember the actual date, but I seem to remember some excerpt that I saw from an interview that said they were willing to give Logan Sargent, you know, two seasons of one season of getting acclimated, one season to really see what he can do. But man, it it would be hard to follow through on that given seeing some other uh, driver's performances. Yeah, that's that's the kind of the tough thing about Formula 1. It's it's so cutthroat like teams want performance now and yeah. they don't want to wait for it and it's like it's not fair sometimes. You know, you get in as a rookie and a lot of the times rookies get at least two seasons to show what they're worth, but if you got someone chomping at the bit that's, you know, getting Formula One drives and then putting up results that doesn't have a season seat for the next season, that could slot right into your car and has pretty much proved that they'll be good to go from day one. It's it's kinda hard to say no to that. And that's just the brutal the how how brutal the sport can be sometimes. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. We'll see. I, yeah. I want the best for Sergeant. I would love to see him in the sport for at least another year. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. It's when you got Alex Pillow wanting to come over to F1, and then you got uh, Liam Lawson just putting up performances, um, basically showing that he can he can hang with everybody else in what is arguably one of the worst cars on the grid, but probably not anymore. Um, it's not fair. the worst car on the grid. It's... I feel like it's the most specifically capable car on the grid. It can do yeah. really well on a very certain type of track and everywhere else it just falls apart. I mean, you even saw Albon in last place after Sargent retired and he was a solid seven seconds behind Polkenberg, uh, I think, was in the spot in front of him. Yeah. But it's hard for to say. Those challenging pretty strongly for points at places like Monza, and then having <laughs> seeing a Haas so far ahead of it this race. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say, especially with the back markers right now. It seems like it's very track specific who who's better than others. Um, but honestly, at the moment, it almost seems like the Alfa Romeo might be the worst car on the grid. That is a consistently bad car. I think you yeah. might be right. Because they... Oh, man, when was the last time they scored points? Um, let me check real quick. Last time Alfa Romeo scored points. Oh, they did score one in... They scored two points in Singapore. I think that was Bottas getting ninth. But then they scored a point in Belgium, a point in Canada, two points in Spain... I mean, they're they're getting maybe one or two points when they do get points. So yeah, it, seem, it seems team... like oh god, 
Uh, I was just going to say it seems like their highest finish of the season so far is ninth, which is just not great. Yeah, the um, only teams that are in front of is Alphatari, and you could see the Alphatari guard got some decent upgrades this weekend. I mean, UGC and Oda was kind of able to hang close to points the entire race. Same for Lawson. Yeah, I think Singapore and Japan, they've gotten some really good upgrades. They've seemed much more on par with closer being closer to the midfield, at least. Um, almost on pace with Alpine, if not a little faster this week. Uh, so... Yeah, it's. Um, I think they're getting better. I don't think Alfa Romeo is. Um, but anyway, that's kind of a tangent. Uh, so, big talking points for this race. Red Bull won the Constructors' Championship at this race. Uh, it is now their sixth championship, their second consecutive championship. Um, they are now quickly approaching Mercedes, I think, eight championships. Um, and with everything going the way it has been the last couple of years, I could see them getting that eighth championship before 2026. Uh, and then who knows from there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're definitely the deserving champions. You can't really, there is no real argument against that. Um, they didn't break the cost cap last year or this year. Uh, so you can't go and scream Red Bull cheaters like everybody has been for the last couple of years which I understand but it's also kind of like okay well let's just calm down everybody <laughs> um, but yeah Red Bull won the championship fair and square by a country mile um, Max is very close to winning the driver's championship he just needs a podium in the sprint race in Qatar to win the driver's championship uh, so <laughs> I could see that happening very easily. He that doesn't the... seem like a massive stretch, no. No, he would win the championship on a Saturday, which is kind of funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty much Max's to lose at this point. He would need a DNF every single thing for the rest of the season for anyone else to have a shot. And even then, Perez would probably have to win every single race. Um, so, <laughs> I don't see either of those things happening. Um... But uh, speaking of Perez, I think this is probably his worst race of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I know some of the bad sentiment I was kind of feeling towards him. I know it was not necessarily his fault or his decision to go back out. Um, but that definitely left a bad taste in my mouth after a, a race that was already pretty lackluster. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, I don't know if this was worse than Singapore, but... It's, well, probably, because he actually took himself out of the race. Um, yeah. Plus, in Singapore, both cars were noticeably bad. Yeah. Uh, this race, Max finished a good 20 seconds ahead of everyone else. Yeah. And uh, Perez was not passing people very quickly, and when he was, he was dive-bombing them, and it was not, not pretty. Um, yeah, I don't... It's It's hard. I feel for the guy... But uh, if he retains his seat after next season, I would be absolutely shocked to my foundations. Um, unless for somehow he gets miraculously spectacular next season, which I also don't see happening. But um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I think it is time to get somebody else in that second Red Bull seat. The question is who? 
and um, it's it's interesting because they have a lot of good options, but they don't have a single great option. It doesn't seem like um, between Ricardo, Sunoda, Lawson, maybe they throw Alex Pillow in there. I'm just I'm hoping. <laughs> um, I know they're gunning for Lando Norris, but Zach That's Brown has—he's repeatedly said that Lando has no exit clauses, and also, why would Lando now leave when McLaren is probably, arguably, the second fastest car on the grid? Yeah, um, and he has a, a pretty good team dynamic, pretty good teammate. I know they had a little the bit of teething. There. Yeah, they had a little bit of teething issues uh, this race with uh, team orders, and maybe not that taking place as fast as. Lando wanted but overall it's, I think they have a pretty good team yeah it seems like that was more of a miscommunication between Piastri and the team than anything um so yeah there were possibly some issues there but I mean why would Lando leave the second fastest car on the grid that's only getting better uh where he is the number one driver he's the golden boy to go to a team where he's gonna be second to Verstappen and and Verstappen will always get the favoritism. Um, Verstappen will always get the team orders. Uh, it's it just doesn't seem super appealing, even though he would be in the fastest car. Um, I don't think that would translate to very many more race wins than uh, he's getting right now. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure being at McLaren for as long as he has, he gets to help drive some of the car's development too. So he kind of gets influenced a little bit of that towards his preference, I assume. Absolutely, and if you think if you think about it, like Ricardo was really good in the Red Bull, and then really bad in the McLaren, um, and he said that it's just the McLaren did not fit his driving style, uh, whereas obviously it fits Lando's, and so with the Red Bull and the McLarens having what seemed to be opposite driving styles. Uh, I'm sure Lando is taking that into account and saying, why would I leave this car that fits my driving style that's developed around me to go to an opposite driving style where I'm just setting myself up to fail? Yeah, um, yeah. It, would, it would take a lot of money, I'm sure. And even then, yeah, maybe not even for all the money in the world. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I don't think that's happening. I'm lucky I'm not super thrilled at Lawson, Ricardo, or Sunoda in that uh, second Red Bull seat. Yeah, there just don't there don't seem to be any you know obvious picks. Um, I think Ricardo had his opportunity. As much as I love the guy, I think he's had a really good career that he can be proud of. Um, and I don't think. I don't think I necessarily want to see him be in the second Red Bull seat again. Cause I think he'd be, be in as... At best, he would be in Perez's position where he yeah. was last year. Yeah, And at if, worst, I think you'd see him floundering again like we did at McLaren or uh, early Renault. Yeah. I think you're spot on with that. So I think he should cut his losses, um, which he's not going to, obviously. Uh, but, uh, if I was Red Bull, I would not sign him. Uh, I would also not sign Sunoda because Sunoda seems to be very inconsistent. Um, sometimes he's really fast, really good, has good results, and 
Other times he's DNFing and finishing almost last. And so it's, I mean, part of it could be the car, but it just seems like Sunoda's super up and down all the time. Um, and that leaves Liam Lawson, who's unproven, but not nearly as unproven as he was, you know, five races ago. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard. I see why they haven't signed anybody for this season. Uh, they're keeping Perez, but, uh, I think next season is going to be the real, the real teller. I could see maybe Albon going back, but if I was Albon, I wouldn't go back. No, I would stay away. I would stay far away from there. Yeah. And another thing is like Verstappen has made it pretty clear that he doesn't want to be at Red Bull his entire life or even in F1 for that long necessarily. He's not going for a a world championship record to beat Lewis Hamilton or anything like that. Yeah. It is interesting thinking about that. Um, So they want to hang on to somebody who has a little bit of experience, you would assume. Right. Um, Verstappen does have a contract with Red Bull until 2028. I don't know if he has any exit clauses. Uh, But he did say in an interview earlier this season, I don't remember which race, um, but he kind of alluded to, you know, if he was to race for another team, he said he he thought it would be very cool to to go race and win races in a Ferrari. <laughs> so he's going to pull a Vettel and ruin his career. Um, but uh, I don't see him moving anywhere other than Ferrari if he does leave Red Bull but stay in F1. Uh, I don't see him going to Mercedes. I don't see him going down further than Ferrari. I would um, honestly see him going to Endurance or even uh, E-Racing. That seems way more likely. I could see him absolutely being maybe a Ferrari driver in World Endurance because they're looking fantastic right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe a Ferrari driver for the Le Mans 24-hour or just the, the regular Endurance series. Um, I could absolutely see that happening, and he's already said several times that that's kind of where his eyes are set, and whenever he does racing stuff, he's usually in a uh lmp1 car or whatever it's called now imdh or no that's that's the other one imsa uh no it's lm i don't remember there's so many letters <laughs> um dpi that was what i was thinking uh but regardless um first off and won't be in the sport forever i assume he'll probably retire after 28 especially if he's not winning anymore um, which I, uh, who knows, uh, when the new regs come in, things get shaken up for sure. Um, especially with them going to a new engine manufacturer, there's a lot riding on that and that could be either fantastic or really bad. Yeah. Although you could argue forward putting their name on a, an engine isn't necessarily as big a change as like Aston Martin going to Honda. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know how much actual change is going to happen in terms of how the engines are designed and who's designing them is going to be. Well, I don't know. It's, I mean, they're completely different, completely new engines. Um, so I think the, the tables are going to be pretty much wiped clean. Yeah. Uh, so it's just going to be all about who makes the best engine. And so, you know, we could even see Alpine at the top of the tables once the new regs come in since they're the only ones running Renault engines at the moment. 
um, which would be pretty nuts. But wouldn't uh, they love that? Yeah, I'm sure they would. Um, it's it's definitely possible. But I mean, it's gonna be, yeah. It's there's a lot that depends on the engines, and uh, we're not gonna know until 2026 once uh, that first race hits. Um, that's a long way off, but I am definitely looking forward to it. I don't see anybody but Red Bull running the tables until then. Um, yeah, we could be wrong, though. Who knows? Could be wrong. McLaren is developing so quickly that uh, who knows? They could challenge Red Bull in the future, um, but it would take quite a bit for them to do that, I think. I mean, everyone was talking about how, oh, man, everyone was expecting Max to win by 30 seconds, and he only won by 20. It's like, yeah, but... You really think he was pushing 100% if he's 20 seconds ahead of the field? Yeah, no. No, we knew he wasn't because when Hamilton took fastest lap from him, he sped up, dropped like three seconds from his lap time, and then slowed back down to his normal pace. Yeah. So I don't see. Yeah, it's. It would take some crazy development trick. Uh. Some, some crazy breakthrough over the offseason from McLaren and not from Red Bull for McLaren to jump that high. But we did see that from Aston Martin. So, you know, anything can happen. Um, but it's going to take a DOS level uh, <laughs> level invention <laughs> like Mercedes in 2020 or the double the what, double diffuser in 2009 with Braun GP. Some crazy yeah. thing that no other team has that just gives them, you know, an extra <laughs> second and a half per lap. Uh to catch Red Bull, because that's probably what it's going to take. But anyway, going into the standings for the championship, on top and staying on top for the remainder of the season will be Red Bull Racing. Um, Second place is Mercedes with 305. Third place is Ferrari with 285. Uh, Aston Martin is at 221 in fourth. McLaren is at 172. Alpine is at 84, Williams is at 21, Haas is at 12, Alfa Romeo at 10, and Alfa Tauri at 5. Uh, Man, McLaren. McLaren doubled Alpine scores so fast. Oh yeah, and they are rapidly approaching Aston Martin, and it's only going to take probably two or three more races before they're past them. And then they're going to have their sights set on Ferrari. I don't think they can quite catch Ferrari in six races, uh, but with the way Aston Martin has been absolutely plummeting off the cliff in terms of race pace, uh, I don't see McLaren not passing Aston Martin before the end of the year. Um, so I think McLaren will be fourth place for sure, approaching Ferrari in third place by the end of the season is my prediction. Um, yeah. And then, oh, I forgot to put the driver standings. Or did I? Mm. I did. Okay, well, uh, driver standings, Max Verstappen's in front, Perez is in second, I believe Hamilton's in third, Alonso's in fourth. Past that, I'm not sure. So, (laughs) uh, that's that's the stuff that matters, though. (laughs) Yeah, nobody really cares about the other 15 anyways. It's really more about the top three. Yeah. All right, pit stop championship. Um, we had, did I? How bad did I mess this up? Okay, no, this is fine. Uh, <laughs> all right, we had Leclerc 
in first place for the pit stops this week with a time of 2.23 seconds. Not the fastest, fastest pit stop we've seen. Uh, it seems like there were a lot of slower pit stops this week. Um, but uh, yeah, so Leclerc in front, Sainz in second, Tsunoda third, Stroll fourth, Norris fifth, Lawson sixth, Piastri seventh, Verstappen in eighth, Hulkenberg in ninth, and Magnussen in tenth. Haas picking up some rare championship points. Uh, speaking of that, let's go into the championship. The top five in the pit stop championship for drivers are Perez, Leclerc, Norris, Verstappen, and Sainz. Uh, Perez is pretty far out in front, but Leclerc is actually closing the gap quite a bit. Uh, so that could actually get interesting, which I was not expecting because Perez usually has been <laughs> way out in front. I um, noticed he didn't include Perez's half-hour pit stop from this last race. Uh, it was probably included, but I I dropped the <laughs> everything but the fastest pit stop from the race. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. yeah. His fastest pit stop of the race was nine point zero seven seconds. Just to give you an idea, uh, <laughs> not a great race for that. But anyway, uh, so standings uh, in the constructors' championship for the pit stops, Red Bull is in front. Uh, Ferrari in second, McLaren in third, AlphaTauri in fourth, Alpine in fifth, Aston Martin in sixth, Mercedes in seventh, Alfa Romeo in eighth, Williams in ninth, and Haas in last. Okay, overtake of the week. I give this to Charles Leclerc for his overtake on George Russell on lap 45 of the Japanese Grand Prix. It was a very impressive overtake around the outside of turn one and turn two. Um... At first, I gave this to Piastri for a very similar move, but Leclerc was further back and had to break later to make it stick. Uh, so, yeah, there wasn't anything super crazy this race, but um, that was the one. <laughs> yeah, no, just some pretty classic, you know, around the outside, get them on the inside, reversal passes. Yeah. Um,. I will say, I think it was either Lawson or Sonoda. It was one of the Alpha Towers, and they were fighting each other. Uh, it was on the first lap of the race, or the restart on lap five. I don't remember which one, but there was a crazy switchback at the end of the first sector. I don't remember what turn numbers they are. Um, but uh, it was pretty sick looking. Unfortunately, the overtake did not quite stick, and so it did not count as an overtake. But it was very close and it would have received that if he did make the overtake stick <laughs> yeah i don't know if we touched on it but we did have some pretty good mercedes on mercedes racing this weekend we did we did not really talk about it other than in the race notes um it wasn't super prevalent but yeah there were, there were a couple of good battles Got yeah they some did classic lewis hamilton i'm going to pass you and you're going to go off the track so i can do it moves yeah yeah everyone talks about well, not everyone. There's there's the Lewis people and there's the Max people and where everyone's still <laughs> dozens anyway, of people. Let's yeah, let's not <laughs> revisit 2021. But um, Hamilton can be kind of dirty when he is pushed. Uh, so there's that. That's why Albon is at Williams right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> absolutely correct uh but yeah lewis does not like getting overtaken 
and he is willing to shove you off the track if it means you do not pass him. Uh, and they did make contact once. There was it was very light contact, just wheels bouncing off each other. But um, yeah, I could see a Hamilton Rosberg esque incident like in Spain 2016, where we have two Mercedes crashing into each other and taking themselves out. And I would love to be a fly in the wall of the debrief. The total wolf the uh, two Mercedes drivers after the race, because what they did to Russell in the last four laps was dirty. It was kind of dirty. I I thought so too. I thought, why don't they do what Russell's saying and wait until the last lap to invert? Leave Lewis with the DRS to defend from science. Um, the problem with that is if Sainz still managed to get past Lewis, Russell would have gotten past too because he was so much slower. So they inverted it so that Russell got past, but Lewis was able to get away, but just barely. If Sainz had one more lap, he probably would have passed him. Yeah, I um, I was honestly hoping for Sainz to pass Hamilton just, just to show him. Yeah, me too. But... It was it was close. Um but uh, yeah, Hamilton just held on. It's it's hard to know what really happened, but I don't know if it was just me, but it seemed like since I don't know if you caught up like caught this, but Total Wolf was not there this weekend. Um, I didn't know. Yeah, Total Wolf was not in Japan, and I don't know if it was just me, but it seemed like Mercedes was kind of lost. It didn't seem like they really were super confident. Like they usually are. It seems like they kind of didn't know how to put their foot down and make a decision in terms of team orders, in terms of strategy. Um, That's a good point, actually. Yeah, because we haven't really seen much Mercedes on Mercedes fighting in the past. And this race, it happened twice. Yeah, because usually when the Mercedes get close to each other, there's a decision made and boom, this happens. Boom, it benefits Mercedes right decision they're so good at making the right decision every time but in this race when wolf was not there that that confidence just seemed absent and it makes you wonder like is total wolf really this that much i mean okay this sounds like a super obvious thing to say but like how much of a key player is total wolf if he's not there are they really like lost <laughs> Like if Total Wolf without Total Wolf, right? If Total Wolf retires, say, which I don't see happening anytime soon, but if say if Wolf retired at the end of the season, is Mercedes going to remain a top level team like they have been for the past ten years, or are they going to drop down to being a midfield team? Like we haven't seen Wolf absent from a race in forever, but it seems like when they when he wasn't there, this one they just kind of didn't know what to do. We could probably do a whole episode on that. Yeah, so I didn't really think about that much before, but it just kind of popped into my oh, head, and it's yeah. just like, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a really good observation, actually. Yeah, um, obviously, Total Wolf is a genius and fantastic team principal. I mean, you have to be to win eight championships in a row. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of shocking. He's not there for one week, and the team just kind of seems aimless. It's like he is their rock, which is fair, but it's you know the team should be able to be run in the absence of one person, you know. Uh, so, kind of interesting things to think about there. Um, yeah. 
But anyway, I don't remember what we were talking about. Oh, we were about to go into our weekly predictions. Uh, oh, yeah. For the Japanese Grand Prix. Let's remind everybody of the top five. It was Verstappen, Norris, Piastri, Leclerc, and Hamilton. How about you give me your top five, Ben? <laughs> well, I speak for both of us when we, we both knew that Verstappen was going to come back pretty hard in this race, and he did. Uh, but I had Perez right after him, which, oh, man, we, we, we talked about that. Uh, I had Sainz, Russell, and Norris rounding out the top five, and Alcon as my dark horse. I I was so sure Alcon was going to get points, you know, yeah. three quarters of the way through the race, halfway through the race, and then he just kind of disappeared. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Alpine was kind of off off this week. They've been off for like the past four months. That's that's fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, my top five was Verstappen in front, so I got that too. Uh, second was Sainz, third Leclerc, fourth Norris, and fifth Russell. Uh, McLaren did a lot better than I was expecting. My dark horse was Alonso. Uh, that did not happen. He dropped like a rock after a pretty poor strategy decision from his team. Um, Man, he was angry based on the radio messages after that. Yeah. Um but I will say, I did say last week that I thought that Perez was going to struggle big time in Japan, and I absolutely nailed there it. There you go. Yeah, so, you nailed it. Uh, <laughs> I'll take that point. Um, all right, fastest lap went to Verstappen. What'd you say, Ben? I said Verstappen. Good job. I said Sainz. Um, to be fair, Sainz was pretty fast, but nowhere close to Verstappen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dr- Driver of the day went to Oscar Piastri, deservedly so. Uh, what'd you say, Ben? Well, I had science this time. Okay, and I had Alonzo. Um, <laughs> Oof. Yeah, no, we're close <laughs> on that one. Ouch. Yeah. All right. Moving on to this week's predictions, or two weeks from now, as the case may be, for the Formula One Qatar Grand Prix. Uh, this is a. MotoGP track turned Formula One track until they can build an actual Formula One track, um, which I know they're working on, but we'll see when that happens. Um, interesting track, kind of a lot like Bahrain. Um, I usually end up getting Bahrain and Qatar mixed up. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously, other than the fact that they're both you know, Persian Gulf desert countries, so the climate's pretty similar. That's probably the main thing is desert. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say, I, mean, well, I don't know if the tracks are really that similar. Um, Qatar has a lot of long straights into hairpins. Uh, so this is going to be, and there's also a lot of like high speed corners. So it's going to be definitely a Red Bull track uh, with probably Mercer McLaren. Uh, maybe even Ferrari, but a sprinkle of Ferrari. A sprinkle of sprinkle of Ferrari possibly, but we'll see. Uh, that's why we do these. Uh, why don't you give me your top five prediction, Ben? Alright, well I've got Verstappen winning. Uh, and then yeah, like you're saying the long straights, I think that should give Prez a good enough chance to stay up kinda close to there. Uh, so I'm going to give him the second spot. And then I've got Norris, Science, and Piastri. Obviously, the McLarens are both just on form right now, and Science is Science. 
Uh, and then I've got Sinoda as my Dark Horse because the car seems a lot better and maybe the renewed confidence gives him some uh, a little more pep in his step. Gotcha. Um, I just changed mine as you were talking. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> but uh, I had Verstappen in first, uh, Norris in second, Piastri in third. So I, I got a repeat podium next next uh, race around. Um, and then I have Sainz fourth because I think he'll do well. I have Perez fifth. I did have Russell fifth, uh, but I just, mm, I don't know. I don't see Perez having another terrible race, but at the same time, it could happen. But, you know, with that being said, I don't see him finishing higher than fifth, really, for the rest of the season, to be completely honest. Um, Ouch. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe that's a little harsh, but when was the last time? I can't remember the last time he was on the podium. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday, but... Fair. (laughs) Um so we'll see what happens but i just i don't know i think perez is really in his own head and you know it's hard to know i'm not i'm not a formula one driver but um looking at the patterns it doesn't seem like perez is on an upward trajectory we'll say um and then my dark horse is alex albon the only reason is is because I can't really choose anybody higher up than that for a dark horse other than Alonso, but I don't see Alonso getting in the top five. So, uh, <laughs> Albon is my pick. Um, fastest lap. Give me your, give me your, uh, your pick, Ben. Uh, I had Verstappen at first, but I kind of wanted to mix it up and give it to Norris. I know it's probably going to be Verstappen, but it'd be kind of cool if it wasn't Verstappen once. Okay. And I went with Verstappen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Driver of the day, what was your pick? Uh, I've got Sunoda because if Sunoda scores decent points there, I think he deserves it. Fair. And I have chosen Lando Norris. Um, not for any particular reason. <laughs> and so, he's a pretty solid chewing. Yeah. Band out, so. He'll be up there. But, all right. That runs off the predictions and most of the episode, but we do have one very important segment left in our episode before we wrap it up, and that is, of course, Ben's words of wisdom. What do you got for us this week, Ben? Having a garden is so cool, guys. Like, okay, I don't have that much of a garden, and the grapes are here when I bought the house. But it's pretty cool to have, you know, you can just go out to your backyard and, you know, pick stuff to eat and consume. And I'm super excited to have a garden next year, but it's kind of nice. Like, you don't have to go to the store. It's cheaper to, I mean, obviously, fruits and veggies aren't that expensive compared to a lot of things at the store. But, you know, you save a little money. You get the satisfaction of watching everything grow, and you have a, a pretty good control of what goes into everything. So if you're really on the organic kick or something like that, like, it's way easier to control what goes into your crops and... Just uh, an overall good learning experience. Awesome stuff, Ben. Appreciate it. Uh, Before we wrap up the episode, I do want to apologize for not being caught up on all of the graphics and website things and stuff on Instagram and whatnot. Uh, I am still working on pulling all of my template files off of my old PC. Um, So... There might be another small delay in that stuff, but hopefully we will get back to our regularly scheduled programming shortly. Um, and then, of course, the intro music on last last episode was atrocious. Um, <laughs> uh, so 
I will probably get all my files off the old computer before I post this episode, so I'm hoping I don't have to repeat that. Um, but regardless... Yeah. Or you could just have me, you know, just do it with my mouth. The bah, 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 bah. Yeah. <laughs> just substitute that in. I bet I could get pretty close. It could. could. It's not a very complex melody, so I <laughs> uh, might have to go acapella on this episode. Um but uh, anyway, thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Rev Hang, leave a like or rating on the platform you listened on because it really helps us out. If you want to see updated standings for IndyCar and F1 or a calendar of upcoming racing from all sorts of different series, check out our website, RevHang.com. If you have a question about racing or about us, hit us up on Twitter or X, as it is now called, using hashtag RevHangPodcast, and we may feature your question on the next show. You can follow Ben on Instagram at BenjiMeetsWorld, myself at 2N underscore squared, or the RevHang page at RevHangMedia. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about the Formula One Qatar Grand Prix. Uh, But until then, I have been Nathan. And I'm Ben. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Uh, Yeah, let us know if you want an acapella version of the uh, intro music for next time. (laughs) Yes, we might actually make that happen. See you later. (laughs) Good night.